Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. and better than ever a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props odds and lines than ever before but online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit just use our promo code believe 50 to receive your bonus that's b-l-e-a-v-5-0 From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, folks, this is Jeremy Evans, your host of the Believe in Sports Law podcast. As always, appreciate you listening in. This is episode 47 of season three. And we have a very, very special panel uh, for you today. Uh, That includes uh, Heather Karat, who is the Executive Vice President of Growth and Operations at United Talent Agency. We have Eric Hagan, who is the Chief Legal Officer at Austin FC, one of the new MLS teams. Then we have Chad Payne, SVP for Legal and Business Affairs at the Players Tribune, which is owned by Minute Media. So I hope that you enjoy this panel and look forward to uh, being we'll be back with you after the end of this panel. Thank you. We have a really great panel today. We have Eric Hagan, who is the Chief Legal Officer at Austin FC, which is one of the newer uh, Major League Soccer teams. We have uh, Heather Brooks Karatz, who is uh, Executive Vice President of Growth and Operations at United Talent Agency, which is... Uh, one of the biggest talent agencies in the world. And, uh, and of course did not get bought out like ICM. So, <laughs> so we got some, we got some good news. And then we have uh, Chad Payne, who is senior vice president of legal and business affairs at the players tribune. So um, welcome to all three of you. Thank you for being here. This is of course, is a graduate sport management class for Cal state long beach. We've got about, I think about, 50 or 60 students in the class. Um, but so Heather, let's start with you. Um, if you get like a little bit of your background, you've got, I mean, all three of you have such great backgrounds and such great stories. Um, but Heather, you know, you've gone from, um, you know, you did, did your own thing for a while, then you were at uh, LAFC and then uh, obviously the XFL, you're the president of the uh, LA team and now at UTA. Can you kind of a little talk about your path and kind of how you ended up uh, where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for having me. Great to see you all. Um, and, you know, great to be on this panel with 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 Eric and Chad. Um, my path is not conventional. Um, so I think that's just sort of a testament to you kind of got to take the right opportunities when they come your way. Um, for me, I've been on every side of the sports business probably at this point that you could be on. And I use that as a really good tool with clients to say, I know what the other side's going to say before they're going to say it. And, you know, for me, I started as a labor and employment litigator. And for me, that was always my way of trying to break into the sports business. I was an athlete growing up, wanted to be in sports, um, knew that law was kind of my pathway in, but probably not where I was going to stay and always really liked the business side. So started at the NFL, um, worked in the management council there, which is the group that, you know, deals with collective bargaining and disputes between players and teams. So this is the days of Michael Vick getting arrested for dog fighting. And I was representing the Falcons trying to claw back bonus money while he was in jail. (laughs) And, you know, that just kind of made me realize that there was this whole business around sports that you don't really understand as a fan and as a kid growing up. And I wanted to learn more. The leagues were a great place to really learn about the business. So worked at the NFL, um, was a labor and employment litigator at a firm where I got some experience 
from there actually started my own sports digital brand company and content company um, before blogs were really a thing. So that was a well, it's probably aging me. Uh, from there, I went to the NHL during uh, their last work stoppage and helped negotiate a, a new CBA, helped then launch Relativity Sports, which is really the first talent representation agency with athletes that brought athletes to Hollywood. Um, this is where we became the third largest in the country in terms of athlete representation through a bunch of roll-ups and represented, you know, Des Bryant, Dwight Howard, Mariano Rivera, and really found success even, you know, before CA sports was what it was today in terms of integrating athletes into Hollywood and entertainment properties. Um, that saga lasted for a little bit. Um, happy to dive in at some point. And then from there went to LAFC and I was part of the founding management team of the LAFC franchise. So I was um, the EVP and general counsel really obviously overseeing everything legal with respect to the team, the stadium construction, our training facility, our events and concerts business, retail, restaurants, all on government land. Um, and doing it also at, with an executive hat on where you've got sports franchises. And in this case, we had a 30 plus member ownership team who was trying to rebrand what it meant to be an MLS team and really building a footprint for the future of MLS and thinking about how the different pieces of the puzzle come together when you're starting a brand and a team and venues from the ground up. Had a great experience and a great run there. Um, in year two, ended up leaving when I got a call from Vince McMahon, who said, you know, I wanna relaunch the XFL. It's gonna be the XFL 2.0. And, you know, it was a unique career opportunity to kind of shed the legal title completely and step into a president's role and really build another sports franchise from the ground up. It's not every day that a billionaire calls you and says, I've got Fox and ESPN, I wanna broadcast your games and I'm starting a league and come on over. So, um, really jumped at that opportunity, knowing it was a risk, knowing that, you know, spring football could fail, went on a wild ride and uh, spring football worked and we proved that it could work. And the model was really, really successful. Uh, we ended up getting hit by COVID halfway through our first season and shut down the league. And I kind of found myself reevaluating what I wanted to do next, did some private equity and venture capital advisory work. Um, have worked closely with a startup in the sports media tech space called Buzzer. I, I can, you know, probably this audience should know a lot about if they don't already. And got a call from UTA. And UTA is one of the largest talent representation companies in the world um, behind CAA and Endeavor. We still compete for the same clients, but I would say we just didn't diversify because of we didn't take the private equity money as early as they did. So I got a call saying, look, you know, we invested in Clutch a couple of years ago. Uh, we now are a majority stakeholder in Clutch, which is Rich Paul's um, athlete representation company. We've made a lot of other investments and we want to grow and we want to diversify and we need executives who can come over and help build that strategy and roadmap for us. And, you know, it's, it's a unique opportunity to be part of such a big company that is across multiple industries. And I work directly with our CEO, helping execute on that strategic growth plan. Heather, that's so fantastic. Um, get inspired every time I hear that story. It's great. But it's, uh, and the XFL thing, I mean, it's so fascinating. Maybe we can dig into that a little bit later. I mean, we even had an event planned. Remember, we were going to do a yes. whole thing with UCLA and we we're going to get all this going. Then it was like COVID happened and um, changed everything. But it's so awesome to see you at UTA now. And, and you know, what's so funny. You mentioned the sort of the investment part of what CAA and what Endeavor have done. I actually kind of like that UTA uh, has sort of stuck to like its agency route. You know, I think it's I think it's important because. If anything, the whole Writers Guild fight was over the fact that uh, Endeavor and CAA had gotten too much into production and, you know, and they were kind of, you know, drawing the lines there. But anyway, thanks for sharing. That was awesome. Uh, Eric, I'm going to go to you next. Uh, again, Eric Hagan is the chief legal officer at Austin uh, FC. Uh, a little bit on your background and kind of how you got to, uh, to where you're at now in Texas. Sure. Yeah. So it's it's uh, it's a long path. It uh, started uh, many many years ago. I grew up in a small two stoplight town in in rural Iowa, and probably my only connection. You know, I grew up in a state that didn't have any professional sports teams. Still doesn't have any major league sports teams. Uh, but my family was uh, we were season ticket holders to the Minnesota Vikings since uh, going back to the 1960s. 
And we used to drive, you know, for many, many hours uh, to and, and fro um, going to the go to, going to Metropolitan Stadium on the weekends. And that's sort of where I, I really uh, grew to love professional sports. Um, I, I left Iowa after high school. I went out to California. I went to Pepperdine for undergrad. Um, and there I, uh, I was playing lacrosse um, in, in club lacrosse in college and made a good group of friends, including one who I work very closely with these days. Um, that's the owner of, of Austin FC, um, Anthony Precourt. So we're going to talk about networking. Probably one of the most important networking things you can do are the, you know, reach out to the people who are on the Zoom call and, and get to know them. You never know where they're going to end up someday. Um, Anthony and I and were- I'm going to interrupt Eric for a second because Eric is the best at networking. And we connected when I was at LAFC and you could tell his passion to be in MLS was just inside him in a way where he's, you know, this was meant to be. And I'm so excited for you and what you guys have built because you've done an incredible job. So, Well, well, thanks for saying that. And it means a lot coming from you. Um, yeah, so uh, so I met, I met Anthony um, many years ago. We we both graduated from Pepperdine, both went to Dartmouth for grad school. Um, we were part of a group of friends that got together every year to go to the Super Bowl and and uh, and other sports games. And then our careers just kind of like went in different directions. He went into investment banking. I uh, went to law school, became a lawyer. Um, when I left law school, I went the big firm route. Um, I spent a year clerking for a, a federal district court judge in North Carolina. Um, and then I worked at, uh, at a few different law firms, um, where I spent most of my career. I'm now, I guess, in my 25th year of practice. Um, the first decade of my practice was at a firm called Kirkland and Ellis. I mainly focused on intellectual property matters, uh, trademarks, copyrights, patents, did, uh, a fair amount of uh, sports work, whenever it would come up, I was one of the first to, to jump at it, um, handled a defamation case involving a sports agent and, uh, and a professional baseball team, uh, worked on a number of media rights disputes involving NFL Sunday Ticket, DirecTV, um, and then uh, uh, finished on a high note there, I had a U.S. Supreme Court case um, around my 10th year of practice. And then I switched over to another big law firm, McDermott, Will and Emery in Century City. And I spent the next 12 years there, um, made equity partner, built a nice uh, uh, roster of clients, um, tried to still do as much sports work as I could. And um, I had one client who was a music festival pr promoter, and then he started buying up minor league baseball teams and a minor league rugby team, and I think some other uh, cats and dogs in there. I think he, he owns about seven different uh, professional sports teams on a minor league level now. Um, and around that same time is when Anthony ended up going into MLS and um, he started operating Columbus Crew back in 2013. Um, around the same time our kids were starting to play soccer um and you know we used to connect a lot on that and um i guess i was more just a, an informal advisor until issues came up where he needed my direct expertise and and uh you know it all came to a head at one point where he talked to me and uh, about it, an issue that was pressing for him we spoke for about 15 minutes and he said i think i've learned more in these last 15 minutes than i have and the eight hours I've spent with the, the lawyers that the, that the league gave me. So he sent, he said, send me an engagement letter. Um, let's, uh, let's start working more on this. And then I realized at the firm I was at, we just didn't really have the, you know, full-throated uh, sports practice that, um, that other firms had. Um, so I, I lateraled over to, uh, to DLA Piper. Um, they had a great sports practice, a lot of expertise and, in, uh, in you know, representing MLS clubs. I know that Heather worked closely with some of my colleagues there. Um, and, and so there I, I took a crash course in MLS law for about a year and a half. Um, and I wasn't there long uh, when Anthony said, hey, um, Austin is gonna happen, that the team is gonna, is gonna start soon and you know, start thinking about moving your family there and, uh, and joining our club as, as general counsel. Um, 
So that was uh, that was in 2019 that uh, that I officially made the move. You know, I had started doing some work for him around 2017, 2018, um, and sort of pivoted my practice away from intellectual property, where that was the bulk of what I did, to a significant part of what I was doing was uh, soccer law related. Um, and then uh, when I was at DLA Piper, I had an office in LA, an office in Austin. I spent a lot of time going back and forth until we moved my family out here full time. Um, I started off as senior vice president and general counsel. Um, after my first year there, uh, they changed my title to chief legal officer. My role hasn't really changed uh, that much. Um, everything that, that uh, everything legal related at, at, uh, at the club goes through me. Um, I'm a department of one, which is kind of uh, jarring when you're going from being a, law, a lawyer at a big law firm where you have lots of resources to just being, you know, your own paralegal, your own assistant, you know, your own associate and, and partner all in one. Um, so I guess we'll probably get into it at some point during this discussion, what our day to day is. So maybe I'll just stop there. No, well, thanks, Eric. Uh, appreciate the background. Um... So, such an opportunity, right, to be a part of a franchise and and just and to build it. Really, you know, you've been there from day one. Uh, really, really cool. Um, and and as you said, we'll get into the day to day. So, Chad, uh, obviously, uh, last but not the least, my friend. Um, little background on on you, and then of course, uh, tell us a little about the Players Tribune. Obviously, I'm familiar with it. It's a great. Um, uh, it's sort of a great a great platform that uh, was formed out of uh, Derek Jeter and some other folks. I mean, obviously uh, player focused, but give us a little bit of background and um, we can kind of go from there. Um, excuse the attire first. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I'm technically on vacation. I just got off the golf course, so um, I don't have my nice pressed blazer for you guys as Jeremy usually has. So um Anyway, just uh, I'll give you guys kind of the Cliff Notes version of, of my background. And I also really, really want to hear what, what you guys care about. I mean, what do, what do you want to know from us, right? I mean, I could sit up here all day long and tell you every little detail about sort of my background and, and path. But look, as, as, as Heather alluded to, I mean, the, 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 there's no magic path to doing what we do. I mean, the reality is you have to work extremely hard I think there if there's one thing I can guarantee you that Eric Heather and I have in common and and Jeremy is that we've busted our behind in getting to where we are today okay so that's don't forget the obvious right I mean sometimes people think that there's some secret and some connection you need to kind of navigate and figure out but don't forget to work as hard as you possibly can and be the last one in the office right because this is a very competitive industry. Um, but just a little bit of background on myself. Um, you know, I, uh, look, I, I knew I wanted to work in sports, uh, for quite a while, but when I was in law school, it really crystallized you know, I, I didn't want to become a sports agent, but I knew I wanted to work with athletes directly. I knew I wanted to practice law. I knew I wanted to be in-house. I, I skipped the entire law firm route tip. That's not common. Typically, you're going to start and you're going to kind of um, sort of get into your boot camp of a law firm, uh, really sort of polish your skills in a law firm. I learned, you know, from some of the best attorneys and partners in the country who are all my outside counsel, right? The beginning uh, in my first, literally a, a year out of law school, I got my first in-house counsel job. And so I learned a lot of these same things from firms that I had, that my companies were literally hiring and paying top dollar to, to advise us on. And so that's, those were a lot of my mentors um, in law school, just really started networking hard, you know, hard, hard, hard. And whether it was being the president of the sports law society and, and hold, holding these events and and just like Jeremy said, actually, actually, I think it was, I think it was Eric, you know, I started looking at these, at these panelists, I started creating a spreadsheet of, of just people that I had met at events at, 
speaking to my classes, uh, people that I just hit up cold, you know, or through an intro. And I started developing this spreadsheet of contacts and I would categorize them in different sections. And so that sort of led me to like my first internship was through a panelist at a sports law conference. And then I just, again, busted my behind. I put everything I could into it, made myself indispensable, got a full-time job there. It was a a boutique athlete licensing and marketing uh, uh, firm in San Diego. We did a lot of the off the field deals for Drew Brees, CC Sabathia, a number of other clients. And uh, look, one thing led to another and, you know, was brought on. I took a little bit of a risk and, and, and when it went to a, uh, an athlete media startup um, that uh, former MLB player, all-star Sean Green had started. We were in Orange County, you know, didn't, didn't work out, you know, kind of ran out of funding, which a lot of startups do, but led to the next job, right? And the CEO brought me on to the next uh, a job because I think he was looking at me like, this, this guy's really smart. He's, he's great on the business side, but he's, and he's a good attorney. Like, why not? I mean, make yourself indispensable, you know? Um, from there, uh, went on to a non-sports in-house counsel role uh, for a, another media company. And then, which was really my only kind of stint where I was not in sports for maybe about a year. And then uh, back in 2014, when uh, Derek Jeter was retiring from the Yankees, you know, uh, not even a close contact of mine, but someone who was on my spreadsheet um, reached out and and said, look, we're, you know, we're looking for an in-house counsel and someone who can also you know, procure athletes for, you know, platforms and projects. And so ultimately, you know, he's like, I can't tell you who, who the, who the founder is, but I will, I'll get back to you. And eventually got the call and said, look, Derek Jeter is looking at starting his, starting his post-career venture. He's going to retire in October, uh, October, 2014. Um, and he's looking at starting his own company to, for the first time, give athletes uh, their voice, you know, in, in, in the industry, you know, in media, right? So he came from, Derek came from this media market in New York that was very unforgiving, right? It was a market that athletes, there was not a, there was not a, a relationship between the athletes and media or not a positive one, uh, you know, uh, and so a lot of it was no comment, you know, I'm doing my team, you know, obligations, uh, you know, my media availabilities, but I'm not really giving, I'm just giving the bare minimum, right? My, whatever my obligations are. Uh, so, you know, started, I was probably seventh or eighth employee. Now it's four or 500 employees uh, of the company, early equity holder, um, and, you know, launched this company. We had Russell Wilson, Blake Griffin, Kevin Love were a few of these first pieces and just got off the ground and built the company, raised 60 to 100 million in the, in the first few years. And, you know, we've kind of quickly, be, quickly became um, the preeminent sort of first person athlete media company, you know, in sports. And so anyway, that's a little bit about the Players Tribune, a little bit about myself, but again, I'm I'm very interested in you know, hearing from you guys as well, and Jeremy, in terms of you know how can we help? How can we help you? Well, thanks, Chad, and I appreciate you uh, being here on uh, your vacation and just getting off the golf course, my friend. I'm jealous, but uh, so Heather, let's go back to you. Um, Tell us a little bit about your day-to-day at, uh, at UTA and, and maybe compare and contrast that to uh, the roles that you had at LAFC and also with the XFL. 
Um, a lot to unpack there, but you know, I think what I thrive on is chaos. So I love having a very multifaceted role where I'm working across departments and issues and divisions and tasks, and it makes every day really interesting and dynamic. So I go into every day with a checklist of things that I think I'm going to do. And by the end of it, I've done a totally different checklist that I never thought I was going to get to that day and somehow have to you know, rinse and repeat for the next day. Um, you know, I, I've been very lucky to have some really fun stops along the way. I think when I was at LAFC and the XFL, we had this very defined deadline of when the stadium was going to open or when the season was going to start. And we had to get everything done for that date. So you were really drinking from a fire hose and every minute to make sure that nothing critical fell through the cracks and that it all fit together into this neat puzzle um, to the extent you could call it neat as you're sort of building the plane while you're flying it. Um, but you, you know, in those roles, you know, I was really sitting at the center of so many different departments, whether, you know, it was as the president of the team or, you know, at LAFC's, the EVP and general counsel, you know, in both those roles, you're really making sure that communications is speaking to legal, is speaking to sales, is speaking to um, IT or ticket sales or sponsorship sales. And you got to make sure that all those pieces come together because they can't work in silos. Uh, the whole point is to build a, an interesting organization that has a cohesive brand and a cohesive business plan. And, you know, my job has really been in the past being the glue that kind of holds it together and make sure that we can find synergies across departments. Um, I'd say this role that I'm in, again, is another bit of like a personal challenge. It's a little bit different. You know, I, I'm very much on the deal side from an M&A perspective. So I spend a lot of my day, you know, the first, I've only been here about seven months, but, you know, I've spent a good chunk of time getting to know this place. Agencies are really unique organisms that I think function differently than typical corporate environments or the more startup type environments that I've been in. And what that means is almost that the agents are my clients in some way. Sorry for my lights going up in the middle. Um, the agents are my clients and I have to build trust with them to make sure that as we think about buying a company that's gonna integrate into one of their divisions that they believe in that and you know the good and the bad that comes with it and that we're aligned. So you know, I spend a lot of time building those relationships. And then I think a lot about what makes sense because our company is run really by people who've been agents here for 40 years, you know, and they've done a phenomenal job of maintaining culture and building an incredible place. But they also have a very entrepreneurial opportunistic vision for the future. And, you know, they've brought myself in and others to help find those opportunities. So I, I spend a lot of time with banks looking at the M&A market and looking at what are opportunities that we should lead into. What are departments that we should continue to bolster? So if talent rep is our core business, are there other talent rep businesses that we should acquire or incubate internally and develop? Or should we diversify and should we own IP? So, you know, the biggest, most common example is you look at, you know, I guess in both of those areas, you know, you look at Endeavor and you look at um, UFC, right? They went and bought UFC, whether it was a good transaction at the time or not, who knows, but you look at their IPO valuation and, you know, they were valued at what, 14 billion and UFC was 11 billion of that. So when you think about their trajectory, you know, they really leaned in into sports IP and away from talent representation. I'm not saying that's the best path for UTA. UTA is a different company at a different time, but there's no question that, that my role is to evaluate those IP ownership opportunities that, you know, may or may not be a fit for us, but definitely are part of the strategic growth vision. Um, and I think it's interesting, you know, obviously I get asked a lot today about the ICM transaction with CAA and, you know, yes, I think it's going to close. I think that will happen. Um, there'll be with any big agency transaction, you know, you will have fallout that comes from it. There will be clients, there will be agents that are not happy with that transaction. We at UTA feel like this is a good thing for us. Obviously there'll be opportunity from the fallout that we'll be able to capitalize on. Um, but also, you know, I think it really positions us well as the number three agency sort of in the market 
but from a perspective of we still compete for the same talent, but we do it with a very artist creator friendly mindset, right? And we can really go into our clients and really show how we're more nimble and how we work across departments in a way that some of these bigger companies can't do it. We all do similar services. There are great agents at all of these companies, so don't want to position UTA any differently than that. But we do think that we can differentiate ourselves in the marketplace today, not just from a talent acquisition perspective, but also from an M&A perspective. And we're well positioned in that way. Well, thanks, Heather. I appreciate that. Uh, and then Eric, uh, to you, talk a little bit about maybe your day-to-day with uh, as chief legal officer for Austin City FC. What is, obviously, you know, it probably looks different every day, but what is kind of, what are some of the things that you've been working on? Yeah, so I, I imagine the last uh, couple of years of my career looked uh, a lot uh, like what Heather was going through and launching a new team from scratch. Um, and I kind of have the inverse experience um, that she has right now. She's talking about multiple clients and you know, I came from a, you know, a couple decades of, of being responsible to a lot of different clients and then to go um, from that uh, environment to just having one client really um, was, uh, was a big change. Um, but there's still, there still are a lot of stakeholders that I'm responsible for uh, or I have to be responsive to. Um, you know, we, in our organization, there's a lot of issues that happen on the soccer operations side, on the business operations side. Um, we also have a philanthropic arm. So we have, uh, you know, nonprofit, nonprofit work that I'm involved with. Um, and, uh, and like Heather said, you know, you have to find these ways to be the glue, uh, to bring all these different stakeholders together and make sure that, it's uh, that the organization is, is functioning properly. Um, uh, you know, I, I think maybe tying back to, to what Chad was saying earlier, um, just the, the whole point of, uh, you know, spending a lot of your career just working hard, excelling, standing out, um, being a leader, like all those things kind of come together and, and make it so that uh, when, when a job like this uh, comes about, um, you can handle all these new things that are thrown at you. Um, one thing you learn as a, as a lawyer in a, in a big law firm um, is that you're, you're always going to be struggling to hit deadlines. You're going to be thrown a lot more work than what seems you know, humanly possible to, to get done in, in the amount of time you're given. Um, but after you do that enough, it just kind of becomes second nature. So you know, when I came into this job, I was, you know, maybe one of the first couple dozen employees we, we had. Um, we, uh, we now have over 100 full-time employees and a few hundred part-time employees. Um, when I came in, we just had a, a small uh, makeshift office near the, the stadium construction site. The stadium construction site hadn't broken ground when I, when I first got here. So, you know, every day I'm driving by this spot, this, uh, you know, empty, empty lot. And, you know, pretty soon these columns are coming up and bleachers and then buildings and, you know, voila, we eventually have a, a whole stadium built and eventually a training facility. Um, so, you know, my, my day to day has, has been uh, not consistent. It's been, you know, every day is different. Just like Heather mentioned, you know, I come in with a to-do list that I, you know, work on the night before and expect there's you know, certain things I want to prioritize. And, and sure enough, uh, the moment I wake up, there's, there's new things that need my immediate attention and I have to spend a lot of time on those things and still try to get to uh, everything else that has a, a pressing deadline. Um, so, so, yeah, my... My day-to-day is, is, uh, is unpredictable. It kind of always has been. I think I've always kind of thrived in that environment. Um, and and it, it hasn't changed too much since, uh, since I've gotten here. I think probably the biggest surprise that I had, you know, I, I left equity partnership at a, at a big global law firm um, after, you know, spending a couple of decades uh, developing a, a, you know, good group of clients. Um, and I went uh, to a business that, where the, the, the model was based on getting large groups of people together. Um, and that was in 2019. Uh, you know, when 2020 came around, it, uh, I started questioning whether I made the right move in, in going into this industry. 
Um, but sure enough, you know, things worked out well here. Um, I think being in Texas helped a lot. Um, we're a lot more open here and, uh, and with, with sporting events, um, there was, I guess a little less uncertainty than a lot of other states were dealing with is, is, you know, we're, we were selling tickets and selling sponsorships, uh, not sure if we were going to be able to even fill our stadium at, at any capacity, not sure if we were going to be able to deliver on all these sponsorship assets we were, we were selling. Um, cause a lot of them depend on having a lot of people together in a stadium. So, uh, yeah, just, uh, it was a chaotic time to, to make the move. Um, none of that was really, you know, foreseeable when, when, uh, when I moved out here to Austin and, and took on that role. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess if, if you've gone through a couple decades of, of working in a high pressure job, you, you just learn to handle that kind of stuff. Oh, thanks, Eric. Um, seems like there's a, there's an ongoing theme between, uh, between Heather, you and Chad, it's sort of entrepreneurship and flexibility, you know, and, and, and finding a nice little uh, niche for yourself. I mean, but clearly both, all three of you have that skill set to be able to do that and have thrived in that. Uh, whereas maybe other people don't thrive in, as being an entrepreneur or, or being in a space where there's some chaos. But uh, so Chad, to you, what are some of the things you're working on with the Players' Tribune? Um and uh, sort of what is your what is your your day to day look like for, uh, for for the company? Yeah, a lot of the things that everyone's hearing are it has some legal flavors to it, right? I mean, we have legal backgrounds, but so much of, of what you're hearing that I'm sure has separated Heather and Eric and Jeremy from the other, gosh, hundreds of thousands of people that want to work in sports. Is all the is all the other intangibles, right? It's it's Heather's examples of being able to work across departments and you know understand how to deliver like and and deal with probably some of the hardest personalities you've ever had to deal with in sports agents, right? And they're super old. A lot of them are really really old school, and you know like I tell my team all the time like it's so easy to just focus on your one project that someone's giving you in that moment but to to be successful you you really have to have a 360 degree skill set and you have to be good at working with people you have to be good on the business side right and that's a general way of saying it's not just this project or this lane that you're in like become good at more than one thing and um, I look, I'd say on an average day, I mean, look, our, our, if it gives you any snapshot, I mean, my, our legal pipeline, uh, that we have are this basically Google, uh, sheet, um, <laughs> is divided into four or five sections. It's urgent, which everything could be urgent to a degree. Uh, people think things are, everything's urgent, but maybe they're not, um, it's, uh, it's talent deals, okay? It's production legal, we call it, which is sort of this content compliance or production compliance aspect of any content or media or publishing company, right? There's a lot of issues there. Um, it's uh, brand deals is a whole section of what we do. That's how we monetize our content and our company largely is through these content sponsorships. Um, you know, and I would always, always, almost always put, you know, labor and employment or HR kind of in there as something that we always have to deal with uh, to Heather's uh, uh, sort of some of her background, like talk about a, a way to become valuable to your company. If you're an in-house counsel is, Every company has, not only is labor and employment this massively wide and evolving area of the law, but it's just, there's always activity going on with people and with terminations, with hirings, with firings, with people getting along or not getting along and how to bridge those gaps. So that's another section I'd say. Um, but, you know, just kind of to give you a snapshot of each, I mean, 
the, the talent deals, uh, you know, we're working with and we're striking deals with talent um, of all of all levels and all, all genders, all sports. I mean, from Steph Curry to Kevin Durant to um, Carly Lloyd, Alex Morgan, you know, Aaron Judge. I mean, it's like we've worked with pretty much everyone. And so, you know, UTA, you know, she, uh, Heather mentioned there's CAA. We, we have relationships with, because we have to, this is the core of our business with every agency in the U S and the, most of them internationally as well. So UTA, William Morris, CAA, then you have your sports focused ones like athletes first Excel, Excel sports, octagon, you know, Wasserman Media Group. I mean, there's a there's kind of a roster. And if you're interested in the agency world, there's sort of a, a list. You know, you can even look at there's a there's a site, uh, sports agencies by state. You can Google it. And there's, you know, it'll tell you all the sports agencies in every state. And keep that up on your desktop if you're interested in exploring and, and maybe getting into the agency side. Um, it's not just being an agent, like Heather said, there's, there are other, uh, you know, uh, areas of practice that these, these agencies help with. Um, we do probably about a, maybe a thousand or more just talent deals in any given year. Um, we just did a couple deals with, ga um, gamers, I think that are represented by, UTA, Heather's company, just last week, you know, my team put those services agreements together um, with Eric's sort of larger um, league. You know, we just did a big rights deal with the MLS to be able to utilize uh, MLS IP, but, but most importantly, clips, you know, you know for um, some of our branded series, uh, whether they're some archival clips but also some, um, you know, game gameplay footage. So negotiating license, uh, you know, deals and rights deals uh, with with uh, entities. Um, you know, I oversee legal and business affairs, uh, not just for the Players Tribune, but for our parent company. You may or may not have heard of a Minute Media, which is the largest sports video company, essentially on Comscore. They're a holding company, like more like a Viacom would be for like an MTV, uh, but oversee legal and business affairs in, in, for the company in the US, uh, Asia, South America. So there's just a lot of your kind of run of the mill in-house legal work that I do, which is maybe a little more boring to explain, um, but a lot of uh, these tackling and blocking kind of legal issues. But um, I also oversee our entire athlete partnerships division. So it's all of our deal making with talent, like I'm, I was just explaining. And so, you know, with a publisher or media company, just if you just go to our site, I mean, that kind of answers part of your question is a lot of the things we have to deal with are tethered to this publication cycle that we're, that we're uh, need to constantly sort of manage. So whether it's the Ricky Rubio piece that we just, that we just, put live if you see on our homepage, you know, that was a, a sponsored content deal with the American Cancer Society. Um, but from there, I mean, we're, you know, the Robert Lewandowski piece, right? This is kind of a derivative of, of an editorial piece that we did with a top, probably three or four soccer player in the world, you know, navigating sort of the rights there and, you know, what permissions we might need. I mean, you've got little more controversial pieces from people like Eddie Kingston uh, on our homepage who, you know, you've always got to, there's a whole pre-publication review process where we've got to make sure that third-party rights are cleared. We've got to make sure that no one's suing us for defamation, right? And so, you know, having a process by which people can kind of flag risky, you know, inclusions and content that's going live, you keep going down on the homepage. I mean, the Carly Lloyd goodbye piece. I mean, evaluating a longer, a longer form, you know, talent deal with her um, and, and kind of, and so on and so forth. I mean, we just, we just put out actually a pretty fairly well, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but on Netflix, it's called untold. We partnered with the way brothers 
um, and a couple other producers to put out this uh, 10 part series that's doing really, really well on Netflix. You might've seen it. Malice at the Palace was the first episode. Um, uh, I think Caitlyn Jenner, there was some, some really, uh, Marty Fish was actually the piece that sort of birthed this entire series. But so negotiating these like, Hollywood, this is more the UTA world, right? And CAA, but negotiating these longer form film and TV projects. So it's, as you're hearing, I mean, well, but then also lending my relationships to the company. And so it's, it's getting probably three to 400 athletes just through my relationships into the company and participating in all these different things, whether it be a Von Miller, or Larry Fitzgerald, or, um, you know, Anthony Rizzo, just sort of also doing this talent procurement stuff. So, I mean, gosh, think of the range of day-to-day work that we're all doing. What, what that tells you is, you know, get good at multiple things, work very hard and like, you know, just find your way in and, you know, Im- impress the heck out of the people that matter uh, is, is, is sort of, maybe that wasn't part of the question, but I thought I'd mention that at the end here. No, I love it. No, thanks, Chad. That's really good advice. Um, and appreciate you sharing that. So Heather and, and Eric and Chad, I'm going to ask sort of one final question as we get uh, close to the uh, the end of the hour. Um, Heather, obviously, I mean, all three of you are attorneys, right? But all three of you also have this very important business aspect to your careers and to your jobs. So how do you balance the sort of need for like legal risk and maybe not so much in your job now, Heather, but in the past, obviously, and you, I mean, you're still a lawyer, you still have the legal education, you got all that, it's just a role's changed. How do you balance the legal and business, the legal aspect and the business sort of like the deal making? I mean, how do you balance all that? Like what's your, what's your process? I mean, I think lawyers get a bad rap because, you know, there's this stigma around being a lawyer that you're just sort of like stale and boring and don't want to take risk and don't care about business. And you're just like there to like push paper and it's horrible. And and it's really bad. You know, when I sort of thought about different professional jumps in my career, you know, the culture of the company and how they integrate lawyers into the deal process is really important sort of aspect to look at because, you know, I would always preach, you know, you want to have the lawyer in the room at the beginning of the deal conversation because it's only going to help the process down the road. Don't bring them in after the deal is already done because then you're just going to be cleaning up, you know, it's, it's just harder to, to make changes at that point. I think where I, I mean, I always had a business hat on, even as a lawyer, I was always that person who was like business first. And I think I was very, um, you know, I had to learn over time, but I think I was very forward with the working environments that I was in to say, no, 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 like, I'm not, I'm not going to be the person who's the most conservative one in the room. I'm really going to sort of think about and make sure that like, I educate myself as to what the goals are for the company or for that client, because you can't just like have an opinion about whether to do a deal without really knowing what the end goal is. So you've got to assert yourself a little bit to say, I am this person who's not going to just push paper and that I care about really being a voice at the table of where things are going to go. Um, and th- that's, that's sort of really worked out. Now, I think there's a time and a place for that because your goal, especially representing talent is to make sure that you're protecting their interests at all times, you know, and, and that's, that's critical and key. And that's where probably that I, I do get more conservative, you know, but when we were at LAFC, like, you know, you, you can't sweat the small stuff. Sometimes you just gotta like, get the show's got to move on. If you don't have every insurance certificate or rights clearance, like it's all going to be okay. And like, it's all going to work out and people want to move things forward and not like be able to get a deal done because you're like holding it up for an insurance certificate. And I think you've got to find the right balance for the culture and the right balance within the goals of the company. Today, you know, I get to be the more risk forward person. I get to say, you know, let's take a swing at this. And that's my job. And that's where I've really been pushed to say, you know, let's transform the culture that's here a little bit. And let's think about other things we should be doing that we haven't had the bandwidth or expertise to think of. Now, I still can't sort of shed my human nature of like being a little more calculated when I come out with my opinion. I still like gathering facts and gathering information and not just coming have vomit of the mouth of like, this is my opinion on this deal right now. And 
that's something that I think, you know, is part of reading your team and reading your colleagues and learning how to work with other people. You're going to have the loudest voice in the room, but that's not always the best voice, right? And sometimes the quietest person in the room is somebody that you want to listen to and pay attention to the most. So, you know, I think to sort of summarize, like really understand what the company's objectives are and really align your decision-making around how do you achieve those end goals um, and, and try to make sure that you find the right balance for that company and their risk tolerance and, toward, and sort of, and also working with your teammates, right? Like try, try to gain alignment and work together. Thanks, Heather. That's a really good insight. Um, and then Eric, same question to you. What's, how do you sort of balance the the sort of business side of things, the deal making, and then uh, sort of the legal risk. Uh, yeah, I think I'd probably just echo a lot of what Heather just said. Um, I, I think I learned a lot of this uh, when I was an outside counsel to a lot of startup companies in the digital media space at a time when they were really trying to make their own way. Um, a lot of law wasn't really written or on point at the time. So you had to um, try to give them the governing principles uh, to, to make good decisions. Um, but you, you also wanted to be as flexible as you could uh, and, and give them options so that, um, you know, they, they, you know, knew what, what, knew what the framework was that they could, could work in. Um, I think that still comes up a lot, you know, with, with what I do, you know, today. Um, there's just such a heavy volume that's, that's thrown at us every single day. Um, so we always have to triage what's, what's important. What are we going to spend time on, um, you know, fixing every little knit and every, you know, little, uh, you know, contract and waiver is, is probably not the best use of time. So I always have to, you know, go through my whiteboard and prioritize what needs to get done immediately. Um, what are the big projects that can't wait, you know, much longer and, you know, how can I, uh, you know, deal with all these other things that, that need to get taken care of and need to be done well um, and, and, you know, need to be done on a certain timeline. Um, you know, I think everyone comes to you and, and they, uh, they, they want three things. They, they uh, want something done good. Uh, they want something done cheap and they want something done right away. And we can always usually deliver two out of the three. Um, sometimes we have to go to outside counsel. That's an expense. Um, sometimes I have to, you know, push other things aside to, to meet a deadline. Um, so it's just always trying to, to balance those competing interests and, and trying to keep your eye on, on what's important. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, if, if something doesn't go perfectly well, maybe you can fix it later. Um, you, you just really need to, to prioritize and, and focus on what's important. Thanks, Eric. Good, uh, good advice. Um, and then Chad, we'll, we'll close with you. What sort of, uh, how do you balance legal sort of uh, the law and sort of business? I mean, how do you, how do you do that in your own, uh, you know, at, at the Players' Tribune and, and in general? It's a really good question. And, and I mean, Eric and, and Heather nailed it, uh, you know, so there's not much to add on my end, but, you know, it's the question. It, it, this is literally what I do all day long is balancing risk versus benefit, risk versus reward, whatever you want to call it. Right. And, and I think, I think sometimes, you know, where people fall short is they only see one side or the other. Right. So your sales team, your marketing team, your business development team, your content team in, in my, in, in my company's case, they want to run and gun, right? They want to create as much revenue as possible. They want to get deals done. They want things to happen as quickly as possible. Well, it isn't that simple, right? You have to, there has to be a, some checks and balances and you have to know what you're getting into and not put your company uh, in a compromising position and, worst case scenario, get sued or get sued in a class action loss, whatever it is. So like they're there. And then on the other side, you have your so much, sometimes your attorneys who, and I like to think of maybe outside counsel playing a little more of that kind of one-sided role in a good way, which is evaluating the risk. And sometimes it's a complicated question of how much risk is there, but they have to be looked at together. 
You know, they ha you have to be, you have to constantly be balancing every decision that you make, not everyone, right? The, the material decisions. You have to be balancing those two things. And I do that literally on the same phone call sometimes because I'm, again, I'm, I'm in charge of legal, but also athletic partnerships, which is the business arm of the talent deal making. So I'm, I'm negotiating a deal for Mike Evans on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last week for a branded program. And one part of me, you know, the, the, the little guy sitting on the shoulder over here is saying, you know, I can't believe they're pushing back on, you know, this provision, this indemnity provision or the payment terms or whatever it is. And sometimes you stand your ground. Sometimes you don't, you gotta, because you have to understand the bigger picture. You've got to understand how, how important is this deal? Can we find anyone else if Mike goes away? Um, how, how, you know, do we want a renewal with this brand anytime soon? And, and so, um, you know, understanding the, that full picture is the, really the only way to make sound decisions and to counsel the company and advise the company on these sort of smaller decisions along the way. And so it's, it's really just looking at the two together and challenging the people, the, the key stakeholders in the deal and at the company that are, that have the most knowledge on this specific situation to properly evaluate the two and to see both sides and really to together come up with what that decision is. And then if it's still a close call, just run it up the chain and make your uh, COO or your CEO make the decision in the end and cover your behind. Okay. I love it. No, thanks, Chad. Uh, Heather, Eric, Chad, you three, you've been like fantastic for us. I'm, I know that everybody appreciates you being here. Um, I'll sort of give Heather maybe a closing thought, Eric, a closing thought, Chad, maybe uh, a word of wisdom you want to share with, with us before we go. Um, I'll echo Chad's sentiment, just network, network, network. It's so important. You should and look around the room of everybody you're in school with. You never know when you're going to cross paths with them later. So make sure you build really strong relationships with everyone you're coming across. Thanks, Heather. And then same thing uh, I mentioned at the beginning, like, uh, you know, your classmates that you're with right now could be some of your best networking contacts you have throughout your career. Um, when I was a Junior lawyer becoming a senior lawyer, I used to tell the junior lawyers, you know, one of the best things you can do is make a strong impression on your, on your fellow colleagues. A lot of my best clients that I had over the years were people that I mentored or people that were my, you know, my, around my same year when we were growing up as lawyers together. And, uh, you know, if they know that you're reliable, they know that you're a hard worker and that you have good judgment, get good results, then they're likely the ones that are going to call on you later. I'd say the other thing is that um, just as you're, you know, reaching out and seeking help from others, try to be as helpful to others as, as you can. I, I think what I found throughout my career is that a lot of people that I helped along the way, that I may have been the, you know, the first to reach out and help, those people came back and, and helped me out a lot too. So I, I would say, you know, really go out of your way to, to be a helpful person. Um, and uh, to be supportive of, of, uh, of your friends and, and your colleagues. And I think that'll take you really far. Oh, thanks, Eric. And appreciate you being here too on uh, Central Time. So, <laughs> and good luck, good luck with the season and everything. And just really appreciate you and Heather being here. So Chad, last word, let's close us out. We got the closer here, man. What's, what's, the, what's the word of wisdom you got for us? I'd give it two. I'd say one, I'd say, don't get into a job or a career path because you think you just should do it or someone's telling you to do it, get into it because you actually want to do it and because you're passionate about it. Because if you're not into it and if you're halfway into it or even three quarters of the way into it, you're not into it. And so find what you're passionate about, do it for the right reasons. And then the second thing is, look, the old fashioned just work work your butt off. I mean, I, I cannot tell you how important that is, you know, be the last one in the office, maybe not forever. Right. But at this stage of your career, 
until further notice, until Jeremy tells you otherwise, <laughs> be the last person in your office, be the last one that's emailing in, in the day. Even if it's a little bit is optics, but a lot of it is substance, just show that you're that committed. It's, it's a pain in the butt sometimes and it's, you're tired. It's not convenient. Your friends are, you know, having fun over. If, if you care, if you're committed, be committed. If you're not, you're just like everybody else. <laughs> so it's sort of one or the other. And you've got to make that decision pretty soon, if not like now. So. <laughs> I love it. No, thanks, Chad. Eric, Heather, y'all have a good night. Really appreciate you being here and look forward to chatting soon. Thanks so much, Jeremy. Appreciate it. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, Jeremy. See you, Heather. See you, Chad. Bye, Eric. Bye, Bye, everyone. All right, folks. So uh, that was a terrific panel that we just had with uh, Eric Hagen, Heather Brooks-Karatz, and Chad Payne with uh, Austin FC, uh, UTA, and the Players' Tribune. Just three terrific speakers and people, and uh, really appreciate them joining us. Again, I'm Jeremy Evans your host for the Believe in Sports Law podcast via the Believe Podcast Network. Appreciate you making the Believe Podcast, Believe in Sports Law podcast, the number one sports law podcast in the world. Look forward to being back with you next week. Happy Thanksgiving to you. And uh, this show has been brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you again and happy holidays. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube